Buenos días, Bethesda. Good morning. Buenos días. I like it. I like the feedback. Yes, yes. It's always a pleasure to come and uh, hang out with you guys and, and, and get to uh, share the word of God and have a conversation with you about the Lord. And, uh, you know, when we talk about 2020 and it, when we look at 20 years from here, you know, I know it's like everything changes so fast that we're like, what's going to happen? What crazy thing is going to happen in the next five minutes? You know, kind of like we live in that mode constantly. But let's look far, far, far ahead of us and, and think about how will we remember it? How will this year be remembered? Or is it something like it's going to be skipped? You know, it's gonna, are we going to rip that page from our calendar or just, just no, nothing happened? You know, where were you? Like, no. No, nothing happened. I don't remember. And how will we remember? I think if we are honest, um, one of the things that will describe this year is it's a frustrating year. How many of you have been experiencing frustration lately? And for the rest of you, we have a seminar on telling the truth that you can sign. No, listen, every one of us are experiencing frustration. And I know frustration has a bad connotation. And I know frustration is like we don't want to say that we're experiencing things that we don't like or feelings that we might not have complete understanding of things that we don't know how to deal with stuff. So we just don't talk about it. So we just don't deal with it. But we in the inside of us, we can be honest that we can be uh, experiencing frustration. And there's a difference between experiencing frustration and actually being frustrated, you know? Being frustrated is a condition of you. Frustration is just a reaction to the world that we live in, you know? And, and it's easy to say, well, you know, I want to live in this happy world. I want things to be in a certain way, and I want things to happen in, in this specific order. But that's not the world that we live in. We live in a world that we're experiencing frustration, and we all are in the same boat this year. It's interesting because that's one of the particular things that, you know, in no matter what stage of life you are, you're experiencing frustration. And the question is not if you're experiencing frustration or not, because you're like, yeah, yeah, it, it, it sounds pretty close to home. Yeah, I understand. What's, I know what I came with this morning. I know what I've been experiencing. But where is God in frustration? Because we never see the connection between God and frustration. But I want to talk to you about the hidden miracles in frustration. I want you to come with me. We're going to read a whole chapter because it's going to be good. Um, I, I don't want to skip any detail in this uh, morning. And we're going to go to 1 Kings 17. We're going to start in verse 1. 1 Kings 17. Then again, it was a frustrating time. There's a time where King Ahab had, had forgotten about God. And, and the thing about it, it's not like he had renounced Jehovah. It's not like he had renounced Yahweh or God. It's that he was sharing with other gods. You know, it was very common in those times to have uh, different gods. And what it meant was really there were different sources. So there was a God who provided rain. So they will, you know, have this particular things. And there, were, there was a God who provided the soil or fertility or, you know, anything. And what happened here is they had been introduced to Baal. 
And Baal was a god who was supposed to be called the source of rain. And even the, one of the names for Baal was the one who rides through the clouds. It was one of those the names or nicknames that he had. And so God's saying, I want to challenge your sources. I want to challenge what, I know you worship on Sunday. I know you, you praise on Wednesdays. I know you get, you, 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 you get in the Zoom call uh, for, for the prayer service. I know you connect, but let's challenge your sources. And that's what he's saying. So let's read on 1 Kings 17, verse 1 to 24. And it says, Now Elijah, the Tisbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I am stand, surely there shall be neither dew or nor rain this year's except by my word. Hmm. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, and I want you to pay attention to that. Go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook of Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. It shall be that you will drink of the brook, and I will command the ravens to provide for you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and lived by the brook Kerit, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. Talk about times before Uber Eats, God already had a system. Dashboard, whatever you use, God already had a system for it. And he would drink from the brook. It happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Seraphath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Seraphath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please give me a little water in a jar that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called her and said, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But, he, but she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go and prepare for me and my son that we may eat and die. Then Elijah said to her, do not fear, go do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from, its first, from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, you may make one of your, for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted. I want to I express, I want to prophesy over your life this verse that I believe it was true in that time. It is true for you. I want you to receive that. And it says, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. 
The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil became or become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Now it came about after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick. And his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what do I have to do with you? O man of God, you have come to bring me, to bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death? He said to her, give me your son. And then he took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and laid him on his own bed. He called to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, have you also brought calamity to the widow with whom I am staying by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself. I love that expression. He stretched himself upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, I pray you let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child returned to him, and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. There are, I think, moments that can turn into miracles. And what's the formula of miracles? A lot of times people ask, like, how can I get a miracle? How can I get healed? How can I get out of that? How can I get this? And how can I do that? And it's easy to try to get a formula. But I've known from experience, I've known from, from getting to know the Word of God, that a lot of times there are hidden miracles in places of frustration. Last time I spoke here, not too long ago, I spoke about being in a stretching place, in a stretching zone. And I want to continue on that topic about God is stretching our faith. God is stretching us. I don't know if uh, when, when the change comes, usually on that last extra push-up that you do, that one extra lap, you know, when we go beyond what's comfortable, when we go beyond and we do one more, that's where change and growth happens. So we're in the middle of a stretching place. You can call it however you want to call it. But the truth of the matter is that we are at a stretching place. Now, even though the forecast was not favorable, that did not stop God from speaking. And I, and I want to hit on this a little bit. Because even though the heavens closed, even though there was no rain for three and a half years, even though in the natural nothing was happening, that did not stop from God speaking. I believe that the most crucial thing in this day is to be able to hear the voice of God. That is the most important thing. 
You can have the right theology. You can have the right economic plan. You can have the right status. You can, do, you can belong to the perfect church. You can be part of everything. You can have the perfect family. And that's all great. But the most important aspect of, this, of times like this is to be able to hear God speaking. Because even though the heavens closed, even though there was nothing in the natural that could provide a solution for them, that did not stop God from speaking. And I've noticed that I'm not, I've, I've said it before, I'm not all that good at multitasking. I have to recognize that. And it's, and it's hard for me to be in frustration and to be open to hear the voice of God. And it's hard when you fill your head and your ears and, and all the things with, with uh, news and, and opinions and everything going on in this world and try to hear the voice of God. Usually, and the same experience that happened with uh, Elijah. At one moment, there was a storm. There was a fire. The heavens, uh, you know, there was lightning, and God was not there. But there's this subtlety. There's this subtle thing. There's a whisper, and that's where his voice was. Elijah, something that I like about is that Elijah moved according to what God said not as the reaction to circumstances. He wasn't just reacting. And so many times us, we're reacting to things, you know. So this happens, so I will counteract with this. And, 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 and the, the neighbors are saying this, well, I will do this. And, and we're always in this struggle of reaction. But what set the course of Elijah was not reacting to problems. Was, it, it was not that he was hiding from him. But his life was in the course of listening God and not reacting to things that happen in his life. Because God's provision, it's not dependent on natural situations. And that's something that you have to get a grasp on. Because God never changes but from what we read in this chapter, his, his methods often can change. They happen. He breaks from convention to provide from unusual places. He will use ravens. Now, I, I, I don't know if, if, if uh, you've seen this, but one of the things that we liked with, with my son, Nehemiah, he's three now, We'll go into a park and we'll feed ducks and, and, and we'll like to, you know, be in the open and the outdoor. And I've noticed that, there, you know, animals can be very picky depending on the day and the time. Um, when there was, there's a lot of people, you know, you would bring like seeds or pieces of bread and you'll throw at them and they'll look at you and like, you know, turns like, I, I, got, better, I got better food. And that was the, the early summer, you know, late spring. A lot of people would be out there. But then we will go when it was hot in the middle of summer. Not a lot of people will come. And as soon as you will show up with little pieces of bread, they're all together there because they're all hungry. They weren't as picky. But I noticed that while the ducks and the geese, and the, they were all like, you know, uh, walking around. They were, there was a group of crows that they were just like, they were, they were just 
checking out things. And they were waiting for that piece of bread to hit the ground before the duck. And I was not throwing it at the crows. And so the natural aspect of, of these animals is not to give, it's not to be generous, but to take. But God even used an unusual method to provide for Elijah. And he take him to this place. And this is something that you need to understand that God is working from places you never thought he would. God is providing from places that you, I, I don't know how he did it, but he has done it. And the key aspect of understanding and how we feel and why we feel frustration is it comes to down to this. Understanding that every stage in life has a purpose. Every purpose has a direction from God. And every direction has a provision. I want you to understand that there's this order where God works. His promise is developed through this. His methods might change. Maybe he said, I want you to go hide you know, I want you to go this brook, and I will, don't worry, I'll send, you know, I'll send ravens, I'll send this method. And then that gets cut off. And, it, and it's frustrating because God told me to come hide, and the provision of God, of God dried up. I don't know if you've been there. God, I, I, I'm in the middle of his uh, will. I am doing everything that God has asked me. Yet, things are drying up. How can that be possible? Because a lot of times, a lot of times, we're so focused on his method that the dangerous side, and you, you need to understand, the, the, what, what this chapter has to do is with sources. It's not that they were bad Christians. It's not like they didn't go to church. It's not like they didn't worship. It, the problem was that they had different sources. And God is saying, Elijah, I know you're a prophet. I know you love me, but I don't want my method to be your God. I don't want my way. And something that we have learned during these times is that things happen. Things change in every stage in life. Why are people frustrated with marriage? Because they don't embrace that stage where they're in because they remember when they were single. And when you have little children, you're like, oh, I don't have any time, and I'm stressed, and I don't get enough sleep. And, I'm, and it's frustrating because we're comparing it to a time where we had no kids. And when they leave, it's like, oh, I remember, and I appreciate the, you know, somebody, somebody uh, not too long ago said, oh, I miss the noise in my house when, when there were children. So they're empty nesters. And I said, I don't know what that is. I have all the noise possible. And it's just a stage where I am right now. You know, kind of sleep every two to three hours you wake up and all that stuff. You know, all that fun stuff. And it can be frustrating. And God is not saying, I'm going to save you from frustration. But actually, it's if you can embrace the season where you are, you will understand the purpose of why you're going through what you're going through. Once you understand that aspect and say, okay, so it's not like it was 
20 years ago. It's not like it was five minutes ago. It's a different season of my life. I understand this. I want to know why. Why and what's the purpose? Because what you need to understand, we get so caught up on the open doors and the closed doors that happen there and the closed windows and the closed heavens and no rain and, and, and no dew. But something that you need to understand is what Elijah was living. It was a different stage of his life. And God, he understood why was going on, what was going on. And there was a sense of direction every single time. It was something dried up. There was a direction from the Lord. You read that throughout the chapter. So every time there was a, a, a place where I don't know what to do, it was always in the, in the word of the Lord came. And God always spoke. And God always said. There was something happening. There was something in the middle of the you know, haziness and, and not, not being able to see clearly. There was a word that came and brought clarity. There was a sense of direction. And what you need to understand is every stage in life has a purpose. Once you realize that, we'll understand that every purpose has a direction. It's not understanding, well, I'm called to do this. And I'm supposed to do this. But finding what is that direction. Every purpose, everything that God provides for you, everything that God has called you to do has a specific direction from him. And he will tell you, all right, it's time to change. It's time to move. It's time to go. Because in his direction, there's always provision. It might not look like it used to be. And that's frustrating. Because we may not be doing church what we used to do. We might not be, you know, doing the same things, the same activities. Now, is, is God abandoning us? No. We just have to understand that there's a purpose on what we're going through. There's a purpose. There's a stage that, that we're facing. And there's a purpose in that. And we have to hear, Lord, what are you saying? Where are you leading us? Because in the lead of the Lord, there's always provision. There is not provision necessarily in the old method, in my opinions, in the way I used to do things, or the things I want. I want things to be, appear in this way. But in every stage of life, there's purpose, and in every purpose, there's a direction. There's a clear direction of the Lord for your life. You may feel lost, but let me tell you, God is speaking to you. He has a word for you. And I hope that you will understand, not fill your mind with more frustration and feed that frustration, but understand that frustration many times can lead to change. A lot of times people change out of frustration. And there's nothing bad with that. I think it's a good thing. How is it possible that a place that God provided will dry it up? The brook. The ravens at some point stop coming. The water stopped flowing. But God talked to him. God told him, I want you to go there. I want you to hide. But what you need to understand is God's promises are eternal. But his provisions may be temporary. 
And so if we get so caught up, I know this is how the Lord does it. This is what he has done for me. At one point, and Elijah was not wrong. God told him, I want you to hide. But then that, that stage ended and he said, it's time to move on. And we are so um, reluctant to understanding that stage. All right, it was time for hiding. God had the ravens. God had the brook. That ended. That season of life ended. And it was time to move on. And the, Lord, the word of the Lord said, all right, I want you, because I want you to move, because this is the beautiful thing. God provided the answer by the time he says, I want you to move, this is where you're going. If you trust me, and I know that we live in a world that is crazy. And actually, it was defined in this way. In 1987, the term to refer to the world, it was a military term, was at the end of the Cold Era, the Cold War Era. And it was used in military circles. It was called, it was a VUCA world. After 9-11 and the beginning of 2002, it was introduced into the workplace and to understand to define this is the world that we live in, in a VUCA world. Now, what does this mean? V stands for volatility. This is the world that we live in. We live in a VUCA world. Volatility. It means the nature of dynamics and the change, uh, the, the dynamics of change and its speed. We, when we talk about change, it's not a new topic. We understand that we have to change. Things have to change. People have been saying this for many years. But you know what's the frustrating time? The frustrating thing about this time? The speed of change. Things are changing way too fast. That's the truth. Things are changing way too fast. The world that we live in, it's volatile, volatile. Do you remember when I was growing up that news could, change, could, could wait until tomorrow at 5 p.m.? You know, remember those days? Those were the good days. You know, breaking news was like something really big happened. But we feel like breaking news is about every five minutes nowadays. Everything is just flaring. Everything is just volatile. Also, the you, it's uncertainty. Uncertainty. The aspect of surprise in every day of life. And I want you to understand, this is the world that we are today. Complexity. Don't you wish things were a lot simpler? Don't you wish things were just, can we just get along? Can we just, you know, have this thought? Can we just work together? It's complex. And this is something that we have to embrace. The world that we live in, it's complex and ambiguity. There's a haziness of reality. We don't know what to believe. We turn on, we used to turn on the TV and, and pretty much we kind of believe what they were saying. Not today. And people are saying this and some other group are saying that and, and this is happening. No, no, no. It's not that. And, and 200 years ago, uh, the philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, which in his time, it was considered crazy. He said, there are no facts, only interpretations. 
200 and some years ago. Of course, in that time, it was different. But doesn't it feel so close to today when he says that? It's all interpretation. There are no real facts. But that's why in a world that is so volatile, so uncertain, so complex, it's so much ambiguity, we need the voice of God. The truth of the matter is that's a reality that we're facing. This is the world that we are living in today. Whether we like it or not, this is just the reality. And that's why more than anything, we need the voice of God. Embracing that stage, finding your why, finding the purpose can open our ears to hear his voice. There's a time where Alexander the Great and he conquered the known world and the unknown world. When he was traveling to India, he will go after years of battle and struggle. He will go with his armies. And at one point, it is said in, uh, in, in, uh, in history that as he was in his horse, suddenly his whole army stood still and decided to um, we're not going any further. And he will just he keep, kept going. And he looked back. He didn't see anybody. So he came back and he said, come on, let's go. And they wouldn't move. And he got out of his horse and asked him, why are you not moving forward? And one of the leaders said, our maps take us till here. Even though they see a different world in their head, in their minds, only, they were only governed, they were only ruled by the maps that somebody else had given them. And that's where he said, all right, we need to change strategies. We need to keep moving forward because they were afraid of what was happening beyond the maps. And I, I want you to know that Yes, we may be beyond the maps. We may be way past the maps of how things should work, of how, you know, this is how we do it. This is how things should be. We are past that maybe. But I want to tell you, don't drown in the crisis, but open yourself up to the resurrection from God. Because God provided through unusual methods. He used ravens. He used a widow. Now, it's interesting that when, he, when God talks to Elijah and he says, all right, I want you to move. I want you to change. That stage where you were in, it's no longer good for you. All right? It's time. And, and, and resources stopped. And the water stopped flowing and the ravens stopped coming. It's time to change. There was a new direction. God was saying, it's time to move on. And he says, I want you to go to this woman. And it's interesting that, that God gives him the direction, but it, but it kind of skips the details. And can I be honest with you? If you have been a Christian, if you want to pursue God's will, that can be a little frustrating as well, if we can be honest. 
because God will give you a sense of direction. He will tell you what you need to do. Sometimes he's going to skip the details. Don't you wish God would do work, will, will give us more details? We'll give you, all right, so in 2010, don't, don't you wish when, we're, when we were planning uh, 2019 or 20, 2020, we were in 2019 looking and said, all right, now just remember, around the 16th of March, you're going to close the church, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that. Dude, wasn't it easy? Would it have been easier? And I was like, okay, well, this is our plan. But God sometimes will skip on those. His promise will continue. His word will continue, but sometimes he's going to skip on the details. And let me tell you, that can be frustrating. And it's not necessarily a bad thing if we know how to handle it, if we know what's the purpose of that, if we know that we trust in him beyond what's happening in the world, we trust in the one true God. And it's interesting that God will use a depressed woman as a source for him, as a source for Elijah. And I want you to understand this because God tells Elijah, Elijah, I want you to go. There's a woman there that already, I already said everything. I already spoke with her. When we go parallel to the, what's going on, see, the way, the perspective that God has and the one that we have sometimes are very different. The woman, on the other hand, she was depressed. She was picking up sticks because her source, she asked her source how much longer could she live. And she said her source, which was a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil, tell her, you might have enough for next lunch. That's about right. That's it. And her source was saying, after this, might as well just die. And she believed that. She believed that her, her source, what she had in the pantry, I don't know what they had back then, probably you can ask Dr. Marty, I don't know about it, just something like, oh, come up with it. The, the pantry probably there, they have a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. That was her source. And she, and she lived according to the resources that she had in the natural. She was blessed because she had a lot of sources. Frustrating because they were lacking. But I want you to know that God doesn't necessarily provide according to what she had her hand. She said, listen, I have a woman there. I've got everything ready for you to go. And you know what? She, she thinks that she's only have enough for, next, for the next meal. I'm telling you, I have enough through that small thing to feed you for days. And that's the perspective of God versus what this woman was saying. Her source of life was dependent on the amount of flour and oil that she had. Because frustration led her to despair. But I want to appeal to you this morning. That there is a miracle. The ground of frustration is the place of miracle. When you look at most, if not all, the miracles that happen in Jesus' life. It started the ground that was breeding, the ground that was growing 
miracles was a frustrating place. He started his ministry at a frustrating place, having to provide wine because they had no more wine at that wedding. I mean, could you imagine that, how frustrating that might be? But that was a place where they can just be, you know, in despair and be depressed or it can turn into a miracle. There's a story in the book of Matthew chapter 14 where Jesus feeds the multitude. And they give a specific number that they were counting men, grown men. And they deliberately said, now this is without women and children, right? We don't know how many women and children were there. But isn't it interesting that a small lunch made the difference? The, and, and the, if you look a little deeper, the answer came from someone who was never on their count. It wasn't even through a grown man that was invited to the party that they would consider, you have something to give. You have something to provide. And God will use somebody that was not even part, that were not supposed to be part of the group, that they were not supposed to be part of the solution. They were not supposed to be included in that situation. And God provided a small lunch it's interesting that where it happened, it was a frustrating aspect. Because, in, can, I, can I be honest with you? Jesus, you know, when we, I don't know, if, but back in the day they used to preach, you have problems, come to Jesus. And they, they gave us this idea like if, if, if I come to Jesus, I'm going to live in a trouble-free life. I, 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 I want to tell you that's not the truth. On the opposite Sometimes God answers through problems. He, Jesus, packages the miracle and a problem. And he says, the disciples are like, I know, Jesus, you're long-winded today. I know you. It, it, was, it was powerful. It was great. I mean, no disrespect, Jesus. It was awesome teaching. But people are tired. People are hungry. They need to go back. And Jesus Instead of saying, you know what, it's really my fault. It's, it, it, I should be buying them lunch, you know. I, I, it, it, they came to, to hear me. But he says, yeah, you're right. Go feed them. So the miracle is by God or Jesus presenting the problem. Saying, all right, you feed them. What do you, see? What, what do you come up with? And it, I, I'll be honest with you, that could be frustrating. <laughs> Man, after, you know, after so many uh, messages and, and, and events, and, and I have to feed him, I have to come with the solutions. And at that moment, Jesus takes the, the lunch that we talked about, and he blesses him, he takes them, he blesses him, and he starts breaking them. Now, I believe that the multiplication came in that place. He took him. And that's a representation of our lives. Think that you are that piece of bread, that you're that fish. God will take you the way you are. And to the world, you may not be enough. A little lunch. What can he provide for the multitude? But I want you to know 
that God has made you in a way that what you have can feed multitudes. The ideas, the service, the things that are, the seeds that are inside of you are enough to feed multitudes. And the natural may look like it's not enough. And he took the same way he has taken you, the same way he can take you. And he, he don't, doesn't only take you and leave you the same way that you are, but he blesses you. And after that point, you're like, man, the Lord takes me the way as I am, and he blessed me. Isn't that wonderful? But there's no multiplication there. It's in the next step that is in the breaking where multiplication happens. And that's the hard part because sometimes we are in frustration. Not because the Lord hasn't taken us. Not because he hasn't blessed us. But because he has, he's breaking us of old things, of all ways. And it's in the miracle of breaking that you will think that breaking something will make it even smaller. But in Jesus' hands becomes stronger, becomes bigger. The widow's son dies. Don't give up on stretching. I know it's easy for us to move into this place of being stretching. But all of the places that we talked about in this chapter, from seeing that there were different sources to the voice of God, there were different sources to what God has been saying, he's been doing, there's frustrating or nuances, places along the way. And after all this, God has provided, God has made a way, and now the son dies. And, and, and Elijah says, God, what, what's going on here? I, I, I've been moving. I've listened. I've been listening to what you're saying. I've, you, you told me to go hiding. I went hiding. The ravens and the brook came. And then I moved to, the, to, to, to this lady, and, and, and she provided she made a miracle. The oil never stopped. The, 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 the flour never stopped. And it's been several days, and now the sun dies. And that can be a frustrating aspect. But what I love what Elijah does. He stretched himself. Not one time. Not Two times, three times. And it happening in the third, and if, would not, if, if, if it could have not happened at the third time, probably the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh time, because Elijah was resilient. He knew that he had to fight. He knew. He, he didn't come this far to die on the road. He didn't, he didn't struggle so much. He didn't go through miracle after miracle after miracle for something to leave him along the way. In that same way, I believe that God wants you to stretch your faith. He wants you to stretch your hand. I want, he wants you to stretch your life and stretch your faith because in that moment, it says that God heard the voice of Elijah and what was dead came to life this is what I want you to know 
that in this stretching moments, in this stage of life that is, Lord, I don't know what's going on, stretch yourself. The temptation that we feel is to drop things up. I don't like it. That's a, that's a topic that is, provides frustration. I don't like that. So I'm, I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to ignore it. I'm just, it's just like it doesn't happen. And God's saying, I want you to stretch yourself. I want you to go beyond what's comfortable. I want you to have faith to, for more. I want you to grow even better, even bigger in this moment. And even though you're experiencing the break, the, 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 what you also need to know is in the breaking, there's multiplication in Jesus' name. I want you to close your eyes where you are. Because we are all in different stages in life. Now, one person, and even though you're like, have no children, you're single, or, you have, or you're married and have no kids, or empty nester, it may look like everyone else, but deep down you know it's so, it's so different from the rest. And everyone has a context. Everyone has a way of looking at things. And it can be frustrating when we compare ourselves. Well, such and such is doing better than me. I'm faithful to the church. I'm faithful to God. Why is this happening to me? Why am I struggling with a son? Why am I struggling with finances? Why am I struggling with this? Why, why, why God? But I have to tell you that every stage, whatever stage we are in, there's a purpose. And understand, instead of asking, why God am I, why am I going through this? Say, hey, Lord, what am I supposed to learn from this? This is not my end. This is, this is just something I'm going through. Maybe a place of transition. Maybe it's a place. And the voice of the Lord, I believe, wants to speak to you. And, and thank God for that we have a written Bible. Thank God that we have but we can come to church and listen to the word and, and sing the praises. Thank God for the internet that you can be watching it from home or you can watch it later. You can sing the songs. You can download them and you can do all kinds of things. Those are, those are great and God can speak through those. But I'm praying that he's going to speak to your life in a personal, vividly way. And he's going to not just going to give you a cookie-cutter instruction, a formula that you download from the Internet. He's going to speak to you clearly. He's going to speak to you in a way that you will understand that you have a sense of direction. Even though in the world, even though in the natural does not look like it's going to happen, God is speaking to each one of you. Can you turn the frustration into the ground of miracles? It's by his voice. It's by him speaking clearly into your life. And let me tell you, 
when God spoke, there was provision. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that the ears of my brothers and sisters and everyone watching online, and this frustrating ground would experience your presence and will hear you clearly and will manifest the answer that this world so much needs. That even though it's, there's a vol volatile, Lord, it's uncertain, it's complex, it's ambiguous, your word will bring clarity to lead in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed.